Welcome back to another episode of the Becoming Fully Human podcast. This episode is coming to you live from my rooftop in Mexico City. Um, Pardon the noise, it's probably going to be unconventional sound. I do not have my microphone. There is some construction going on in the background. But I figured I would just record now because I've been putting putting it off a couple of days now. Um, so much going on. I'm staying in an Airbnb with my close friends who I traveled from Australia with. And yeah, I figured just do it. So here we are, noise and all. Although I must say the Mexican sunshine in my eyes has been such a breath of fresh air. Uh, It's been so rainy in Australia these past six months, really. Um, The winter in Margaret River was super rainy and then transferring over to the east coast was just as bad i'm not sure if it's um, weather manipulation or just plain old rain but either way it was pretty depressing so the sun feels amazing um yeah this podcast is going to be in a couple of parts what i'll do is i'll timestamp the bottom of the Um, in the notes on the podcast apps, wherever you listen to this, in the show notes, I'll have a timestamp just in case you're only interested in in hearing one part of this. What I'm going to touch on is things that I factored in moving um, from Australia to Mexico, then the preparations to leave, um, the flights and traveling unvaccinated across four continents, I'll touch on how to get an exemption to leave Australia if you are Australian or a permanent resident. I'll talk about the journey over and then I'll do a bit of a Q&A at the end. So um, let's get started. Okay, so the things that I factored in moving, I guess first of all I should probably touch on um, maybe the why, although I think at this point it's quite obvious. the world seems to have fallen under somewhat of a tyrannical communist uh, spell and the commonwealth countries i was living in australia um, for the past two years and i'm from canada originally i also have a french passport so i've been kind of hopping around between those three uh, places kind of scattering around Europe, uh, Australia and Canada f- for the better part of the past 10 years. And um, I'm just not quite okay with the way things are unfolding, particularly in the countries that I have access to. So Canada for me um, mirrors Australia in many ways with government overreach and some pretty crazy mandates that are being passed. Um I am choosing to remain unvaccinated against COVID and uh, yeah, that's a non-negotiable for me. So I am happy and willing to uh, ride the wind as Max Egan shared in my last podcast interview with him and whatever my life looks like uh, as it unfolds, remaining unvaccinated is okay with me. Um, So I knew that well intuitively knew that it was time to leave australia about in 
September, I think is when I decided um, that Mexico would be the location. Um, but I did factor in, yeah, quite a few things. I considered essentially every country in the world. I was open. Um, I do have a few priorities, obviously avoiding mandates, living as normally as possible. And probably the biggest factor is intuition. Like, how does this place feel in my body? And that doesn't have to be a place that I've been before. So I have been to Mexico before, um, but only briefly. I came for a vacation with my parents to the Yucatan, Cancun, and Tulum when I was in university. So my experience of Mexico is very much limited to um, a resort vacation. Um, but I have historically had very good intuition about a country and how I'm going to relate to it and if I'm meant to be there before ever visiting. I've had that with Australia, like there's a calling to go somewhere and I don't really have to know why but when you arrive I mean things unfold and happen in a way that you can feel are quite um, divine and yeah other places are like Denmark, um, in Europe, Portugal, there's all there's very special places for me in the world that I have intuitively known I would connect with. And actually, I had planned to come to Mexico in June of last year because my visa was expiring in Australia. And so I booked a flight back to North America with the intention of settling in Mexico kind of indefinitely uh, for a few reasons. I... I'm a human lizard, I love the sun, and I've wanted to learn Spanish fluently for quite a while now. Uh, I was in Nicaragua probably 10 years ago, also in university, my second year of university, and I took a few Spanish lessons, enough to get me by, and I've since then really set the intention to become fully fluent. So I felt like back in June that was just the opportunity to do that. And then my flight got cancelled and what I thought was going to be a three-month, you know, seasonal flu ended up turning into a worldwide tyrannical pandemic. And yeah, very quickly I realized that it kind of turned into a bit of a survival game, I guess. For me, really, it is about staying um, fully human and unvaccinated against this gene therapy that I want nothing to do with so yeah the place how does it feel in my body um also so corruption is obviously a huge topic of conversation in this um yeah in this discussion about government intervention and where the power lies because at the moment there's extreme corruption related to the pharmaceutical world power and greed the elites, new world order agendas, and so where the corruption comes from, because corruption is a part of human experience. I don't think there's avoiding that, you know, the line between good and evil runs through every human heart, and so the corruption that I am choosing is a bottom, more of a bottom-down corruption that comes from bribery, maybe cartels, um, that kind of yeah bottom-up corruption as opposed to governmental coercion and like the white um 
suit and tie kind of thing, black suit and tie, where people look very professional and they speak very well, but they're doing the same old shit and they're doing it in a way that I find actually much more scary. So I, yeah, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to get vaccinated. I actually don't even want to get a PCR test. So um, how I kind of navigated choosing the place was making a list of countries that initially I felt simply had less government intervention. Um, that was the beginning of it and kind of researching, I guess, um, partially through the internet, but essentially through speaking to people in the actual countries because the internet is loaded with, with bullshit, essentially. And the mainstream media controls a lot of the perspective that we have on most countries in the world. And I witnessed that pretty directly when... Um, I told people, well, actually not so much when I told people I was going to Mexico, maybe a little bit, but more so the friends that have come with me and their two young daughters that are 10 and 8. There's so much rhetoric that Mexico is extremely dangerous. Um, How could you bring your young daughters there? Like, do you want them to get kidnapped? And of course, this is, it's, it's not to negate that there is danger everywhere, but it's such a Hollywood narrative, like the story that a country as a whole is so dangerous. Like if you actually Google the country with the most corruption, uh, with the most kidnappings, it's New Zealand. So, you know, (laughs) the, the fear mongering that exists in every topic, I mean, it permeates everything. So it's kind of deciding what feels good in your body intuitively and yeah looking at how the governments have been dealing with the pandemic so far so vaccination rates is a big one um at the time i mean the the rate of vaccination is skyrocketing in mexico i actually don't think it's accurate at all i don't think probably any of the statistics are accurate but especially in this country in a couple of months it's it's um like a month and a half really it's hiked from 40 percent to 60 percent i don't believe it but yeah so looking at that it kind of narrowed it down to quite a few um possibilities places in latin america in central america even i mean mexico is technically north america and south america all that type all that like stretch of land i considered um Europe. Europe is very familiar for me. I have a French passport. Um, so I, before coming to Australia, I actually wanted to live in Denmark, but at the moment I just think it's too risky and it's too cold. So, um, the EU, and I mean, this is unfolding as I speak, is acting, um, in quite a terrifying way, talking about mandating and across Europe. So yeah, it's, to me Europe in general at the moment is just it's too much of a wild card I did consider Portugal and Greece I love both of those countries I could live in both of those countries in a heartbeat but having lived in Greece for about five months there's very um there's not enough food security and water security the government there is pretty unstable and there's a lot of poverty which the poverty thing 
it, it's a double-edged sword, but when it comes to food scarcity and water scarcity, I don't think it will end very well. Um, Portugal, I spoke to quite a few friends that are still down there, and the general vibe was like a hell yes, but it's still in Europe, and I just, at the moment, am putting all of Europe on the back burner. So... I also considered like the Balkans, like Croatia and Serbia, but honestly, the weather's just too cold. Um, if that was the only option, weather becomes very unimportant at the end of the day. Uh, I even looked into Russia, but all things considered, I've had no sunshine in the past like eight months, and it is a huge <laughs> importance for me in terms of my mental and physical health. So, um, well, yeah, actually, I should just maybe go back a bit. The, the other factors are really access to high quality food. That is so important to me. Um, access to nature, which can be the ocean or the mountains and lots of fresh air at the moment in Mexico City. There is none of the above. I mean, the high quality food, I'm actually pretty amazed at how abundant uh, the organic produce is here. But in terms of fresh air, definitely not the case. And... There is no nature in Mexico City. It's blowing my mind. Even to get earth, um, get my feet in the ground, it was such a mission to find like a patch of dirt that I could do that with. Um, I since found out you can also just ground by hugging a tree, um, which I have been doing lots of also. <laughs> um, so language is another factor. I've always wanted to learn Spanish. So all these Spanish-speaking countries kind of took a top seat uh the cost of living is important i think not only because it's more sustainable in the long run to live somewhere with a lower cost of living since i work online and get paid typically in us dollars it works out very well to live somewhere where there's lower cost i also think lower cost of living is a general sign um, of a safer country to be in at the moment. High cost of living typically associated with a lot more inflation and a lot more government intervention, more surveil surveillance. Wow, that's a tough word for me. Um, and more technology. So all of things I'm trying to avoid at the moment. Um, a sense of community. So that's pretty important. And in general, these Latin American countries do have a, a strong foundation of community. I felt that in Greece as well, um, as opposed to places like Denmark, where it's just not, I mean, I guess there's pockets and particularly in rural areas or smaller islands, but it's avoiding the big city. It's avoiding places that are super disconnected from people, from their neighbors. Like you want the strength in the resilience of community at this point in well at all points in humanity but particularly when shit is imminently hitting the fan um what else i made a few notes no 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 no, no. oh and yeah and kind of checking in constantly to see if this decision is coming from fear because i don't know that leaving um is everyone's path it's really tuning in to see what feels good in your body and then trusting that and not completely eradicating all fear because truth be told this is a pretty terrifying experience that we're having as humans in the world right now so not trying to overcorrect and be completely fearless because i think fear can actually 
drive us to make changes in our life. Um, but yeah, tuning in and really making sure that you're not acting too erratically and that you're grounded in reality and seeing things as they unfold and what might suit you and your family best. So um, back to places that I considered, I pretty quickly narrowed it down to this like area in between Mexico all the way down to maybe Colombia. Brazil never really resonated uh, with me. So Mexico feels familiar to me having grown up in Canada. It is such a typical vacation place. Um, I love the Mexican culture. I love Mexican food. I love the, like, I, I'm very much excited to learn more about the Mexican traditions and shamanism and all that. Like it's, it's a quite an amazing culture and the Spanish that permeates this whole part of the world. I mean, that has been uh, yeah, a big factor for me. Um, I spoke to, so my mentor, Geraldine, is living in Ecuador, so I spoke to her. I spoke to a friend in Colombia and to quite a few people in Nicaragua. Um, Where else? Oh, in Costa Rica. Actually, Costa Rica was probably the first place that I considered because I've never been, but it has this, uh, I'll say, illusion now of grandeur when it comes to ecotourism and high-quality food and freedom. Um, it took me about two days to realize that that is very much a an act. There is a lot of trust in the government there. There's a lot of compliance. And the vaccination situation is actually unbelievable when it comes to childhood vaccines. So... Um, through the grapevine, very reliable sources, I have found out that kids are tested for antibodies when they come into the hospital for childhood vaccinations. And if they don't have them, they'll be administered the vaccine without parental consent. Even if you have your forged childhood vaccine, vaccine papers. So if your kid breaks their leg and needs emergency care, which I think hospitals are incredible for, you might risk um, getting your child vaccinated without your consent and that is terrifying although I'm not a mother yet I do want babies one day and more importantly for right now I think it really speaks to uh, the overall government's relationship to um, power and their belief in vaccinations something else I learned is that they actually have like a team that goes around doing door-to-door check-ins um, to test for antibodies and that there's a nurse and a doctor there on these runs and again if the child doesn't test for antibodies child gets vaccinated so that's insane and very quickly I mean Costa Rica has been one of the first countries to mandate the vaccine so yeah that got ruled out very quickly um, Colombia and Ecuador, they also got ruled out for now. They're more remote. So, um, the most remote place I considered was actually Africa, um, Madagascar in particular. It's not possible to enter. I mean, I didn't do, I didn't dig too deeply because I actually, it's such an extreme leap that I hope not to have to make that transition. Um, I will if I have to, but yeah, the the effort like the on a scale of where I feel I can't like I've grown up in Canada, 
I was living in Australia and Europe, I love access to health stores and the things that come with um, the developed world, for better or worse, right? Access to technology, all these things have a huge benefit if used properly. But at the moment, the more developed the country, it appears the more government intervention, tyrannical rule, coercion, etc. So countries with very little government intervention actually there's quite a few beautiful things about africa too um when it comes to i forget the name of the religion but it's basically the concept that everything has um a spirit and so they're very much still connected to i would say traditional religion in a way that um, everything is alive, everything has reverence, and the spirit needs to be protected. So there's a lot less space for um, manipulation by the government because people there still have a deep-rooted connection to nature and all living things. But it's a huge leap for me. I like my organic shops, and although I'm definitely willing to forego them in the end, I don't think we're there yet. So Latin America is a nice dance between the civilized and maybe perhaps the less civilized world in the best way possible. And Colombia and Ecuador definitely fall more on the side of, you know, less access to high quality food. Um, what I've heard from my friend in Colombia, but also in Ecuador is that, you know, you're not getting a health store. Um, knowing if the food's organic, you're not really going to know that either. And of course, in time, growing my own food, doing that whole dance is in the cards. Um, but to start off, places like Mexico and Nicaragua just felt like... Actually, I would say Nicaragua was probably also on more on the... In the realm of the Colombias and Ecuador's in terms of access to... Um, the luxuries of life that I enjoy, which is not that luxurious, really, but yeah, I hope that makes sense to you. Um, also, both Mexico and Nicaragua, maybe not so much Nicaragua, but there's more of a transition period. There's more access to speaking um, English-speaking people, so that as I transition into being a fully fluent Spaniard... Um, yeah, there's just more support. It's, it's a softer landing, I think is what I could, could have said from the beginning. It's definitely a softer landing. And having been to Nicaragua before as well, I just felt in my body much better in Mexico. Oh, something else I considered actually um, is astrocartography. So I will link the website that I uh, plug in all my details in, and then you get a whole map of the world based on your date of birth, time of birth, and place of birth. And then you can kind of just click different areas and you'll get the energetic like happenings of how your body interacts with that part of the world. And for me, it has been spot on, I think every single time, sometimes even the craziest ways. And so for me, um, Oaxaca, which is the specific state that I will be settling in. I'm moving there in um, about five days now. It is like a warrior place for me. It is a place of truth and strength and energy and clarity. It um, Actually, maybe I'll post um, 
I'll post an excerpt of what my astrocartography is for Oaxaca. It is the place to be for me right now. It is so in alignment with what's going on in the world and the type of energy and frequency that I want to embody in these times. So basically, that is how I decided to move to Mexico. And I know ultimately too that I'm, this is a process of surrender and fluidity. Like if things change in Mexico, it requires moving down into Nicaragua or even more south. That is okay with me. There's the dance of life. Like I'm trying to manipulate it the least, like with my mind, the least possible. Because what I think I need and what I actually need are just so yeah there's that mystery aspect of we you know we cling to the place back when i was living in australia in 2017 i wanted to stay there so badly i was considering all my options i was you know i applied for a work sponsorship that got denied and i was just trying to think of what i could do to stay like clinging so hard to a place and then when i finally surrendered and left life unfolded for me in the most beautiful way like this whole writing career essentially fell into my lap life really flowed for me and so it's a constant reminder that you know you make a choice an educated choice an intuitive choice but then you also have to stay flexible so I'm starting off in Mexico um, and I hope to stay here for quite a long time but we will see where life takes me um okay so now we're going to move on to the preparation to leave um like i said i knew i was coming to mexico since about september and at the time i was living in western australia but i wanted to fly east to sydney to say goodbye to friends um, before leaving australia for good so i arrived in sydney in october i think october 1st actually and I was staying with some of my close friends in the Blue Mountains. And my urgency to leave Australia, it actually went away when I arrived there. So I kind of just rolled with it intuitively. Um, I hopped back and forth between the Blue Mountains and Bondi, spending lots of time with friends. And I was hoping to make it to Byron. But at that point, I actually thought I was going to stay in Australia until January. Um, if you ever spent a summer in Australia, it is quite a wonderful thing. Although, truthfully, this spring has been so rainy, it's very um, unusual in terms of that. And pair that with the lockdowns, Australia didn't exactly have its uh, normal shine. Um, and as November rolled around, it became pretty clear that Australia was actually, the things there were evolving so quickly that to stay the summer was just no longer viable um the friends that i traveled with so my two friends and their two daughters who are i think i've mentioned 10 and 8 um they initially were going to move to land but as things were unfolding over the month that i spent there the first month we all realized yeah quite quickly that um it was time to leave australia so they felt similarly um and we ultimately decided to go all together but they have 
had recently bought a house and had a lot more loose ends to tie up with work, businesses, selling the house and things like that. So um, the plan was to leave around December and yeah, I guess things were changing. Maybe I won't go too much into what really was going on in Australia, but definitely terrifying bills like the Biosecurity Act Amendment, um, the bill that Dan, the Premier of Victoria, passed that he could declare a pandemic whenever he likes, which actually just got passed a few days ago while we've been here in Mexico. Um, A lot of shuffling around with things like land title deeds. Essentially, every sign pointed to um, leaving Australia imminently so they put their house on the market and I helped them get uh, as much of that in order as I could Um, getting the house ready for sale doing the open houses and they sold very quickly Um, it was much easier for me to leave right I've been living nomadically for a while and although I'll settle you know I was living in Byron for a whole year and then in Margaret Rivers for six months I often downsized so I at that point living with them had already known I was leaving for Mexico so when I left Margaret River I had packed as if I was leaving for Mexico probably a couple weeks later so uh, it was pretty easy for me in that sense um okay the flights and traveling unvaccinated which I think is one thing that many people have tuned in to listen to Um, because I did fly from Australia into Mexico with no vaccine and no PCR test. So there's many moving parts when it comes to traveling unvaccinated. Uh, The easiest route from Australia to to, uh, Mexico or even just to the States is via LA. Um, It's a 12-hour flight to LA and then there's many cheap flights into Mexico, quick cheap flights. Um, Typically, they're booked as two separate journeys. And at the time, the U.S. hadn't yet implemented the double vaccination to land in the country. But their announcement for their changing rules was due uh, November 8th. And so by then, I think it was about November, maybe it was even the end of October. But definitely by the beginning of November, we'd all decided to move to Mexico Actually, I think we hadn't decided between Mexico and Nicaragua at that time, but we knew it was going into that part of the world. And we knew that the quickest way to get there is via the States. Um, So we were waiting to see what November 8th held. And as predicted by many, you could no longer enter the States, even as a layover, without uh, being fully vaccinated. So that ruled out um, America as a layover, which was definitely a bummer. But where there's a will, there's a way. And uh, yeah, the, so the second moving part is the airline. Um, airlines are operating, they've gone rogue, basically. Big Aussie airlines like Qantas and Jetstar have already implemented no jab, no fly policy um, for over 12s. So you have to find out your specific airline rules to start because you rule out any airline that needs the vaccination to fly. There are maybe ways around this. Qantas has a form that you can get a doctor to sign giving you an exemption 
only through Qantas. As you probably know, it's near impossible to get an exemption, a medical exemption for the vaccine. But Qantas does have a form on their website where if your doctor is willing to give you an exemption to fly, a vaccination exemption, but only to fly, um, maybe you can get around it that way. We were not capable of doing that. So yeah basically using search engines like skyscanner is not going to be very useful because they typically find logical routes um what should be a 15 hour flight with one layover that's the kind of stuff that you would find on these big ticket sites so what i did is go directly to airline companies and use their search engine once I dug a little bit into their vaccine policy and then you kind of see what your best option is for um, the flight that I took um, I ended up taking Emirates which was a 60 hour flight all the Emirates flights land in Dubai and so it was kind of an insane uh, yes yeah, pretty insane trip so it was definitely scenic um, it was Sydney to Dubai, which was a pretty long flight in of itself, and then a 22-hour layover in Dubai, and then another long flight to Barcelona in Spain, and then quick, actually, we, it wasn't even, that was, we, it wasn't even technically a layover. We did have to go through a checkpoint, but they basically just refueled the plane, and then we got back on that same plane uh, into Mexico City. So, yeah, with that route, not only did I not need the vaccine, I did not even need a PCR test. And that is not the case um, all the time. You really have to get clear on the airline's rules and on the countries that you're laying over in and landing in. The reason um, we didn't need a PCR was basically because Mexico, you don't need a PCR to enter. Had Mexico needed a PCR, then we would have needed one from the very beginning. Many airlines do run, not all of them, but many do run on the final destination rules. And so, yeah, I know someone who's flying um, from Europe into Mexico soon. And likewise, flying with KLM, you don't need a PCR or a vaccine, despite layovers in um, the Netherlands, I believe. So, yeah, the fourth moving part, needless to say, is the country that you land in. And that is really the biggest final frontier. And like I said, typically sets the precedent for the airline rules, but not always, but particularly the PCR test. And yeah, don't expect the airline itself to know what's going on all the information is on their website i did call emirates to confirm but like we'll talk about a little bit later when we arrived at the airport the staff was baffled that you could get on the plane unvaccinated and that we didn't have a pcr test so do your research <laughs> and also things are changing so rapidly that you should be doing your research and then checking in with your research regularly up to the day that you're leaving um i like i said i'm canadian i i do not have permanent residency in australia but if you do uh, have permanent residency or an australian passport even if you're a dual citizen then you need an exemption to leave the country so if you're leaving uh 
unvaccinated, you need an exemption. So as a non-Australian, it was easy for me, but I did help my friends with their process, so I am quite familiar with it. Um, I might write an article on how to apply it for an exemption that feels more suited, but I'll just touch on a few points now. So you apply through the Home Affairs website and you have to figure out which category most suits your reason for application. I'm assuming it's probably going to be based on compelling and compassionate grounds. This exemption, uh, it basically states that you're leaving for more than three months. And for everyone um, I know who applied, they went um, for these compelling and compassionate grounds. They actually applied with the intention of leaving much more permanently. Um, some were for at least two years, and for a few others, it was a permanent move. So the exemption needs to come with evidence that is written and signed by a justice of the peace. You basically state your case, the reasons, including good examples. Um, well, good examples are like moving to see your family if you haven't seen them in two years throughout the pandemic, to start a new life somewhere else, to help a sick family member, etc. But you definitely don't want to even hint at the government tyranny or not wanting to get vaccinated or anything of the sorts. So this letter has to be non-emotional. So no flowery language. It has to be short and precise and to the point. And you need evidence that you will be able to support yourself for at least um, these three months overseas, either with a bank statement or a job offer um, overseas. And then you show some planning for the next stage of your life, like a rental agreement, an itinerary, or whatnot. You can pre-book the flights um, and attach them as an appendix, but make sure you apply at least three weeks before the flight, which you can, yeah, you can add it as an appendix um, to the statement and application. And finally, you need to acknowledge that it may be difficult or impossible to return to Australia, given the current global situation, and that you will bear the cost and responsibility for your choice to go overseas during this pandemic and absorb yeah, any cost, including quarantine, upon return to Australia. So all three applications that I know of, uh, including two families and one single friend, were approved within two hours. Initially, the application process took much longer to get approved when all Australians and um, PRs had to apply, but now it's only the unvaccinated. So since that rule changed. Um, as far as I know, the applications to leave the country are being granted very quickly. Okay, now the fun part, uh, the journey. So like I said, it was a 60 hour uh, three flight, four continent trip to um, from Australia to Mexico, from Sydney to Mexico City specifically. Initially, we actually had it booked for Friday, December the 3rd. And well, actually, when we first were booking flights, the intention was to book on Monday the 29th. But since my pals had a lot going on with moving out and tying up loose ends, we agreed to leave on December 3rd. But on the evening of Sunday the 28th, um, we were all having dinner at a friend's discussing how ominous things were getting in Australia and hoping that we would still be able to leave come Friday. And... It, yeah, we weren't sure, and we decided to sleep on it and see how we felt in the morning, if maybe we should leave sooner. Um, come morning, all three of us adults, because like I said, it was the three of us and their two daughters um, flying together. We basically knew we would be leaving that evening. Um, 
We all had a gut feeling, and since the majority of their loose ends were tied up, uh, we decided to follow our intuition and just get out of Australia as soon as possible. Um, it was kind of hard not to do that because we'd been waking up every morning for the past week and really the past month. Um, it seems in terms of this agenda, initially it was like once a week, you'd be like, what's this weekend going to bring in terms of changes? But it's ramping up so quickly that at the moment it's every single day, every country seems to have a new announcement, some positive, mostly terrifying. And so we weren't sleeping well. It was taking a troll toll on our adrenals and um, we were also reading about how Jews survived in the Holocaust and the ones that survived by leaving um, there was a resonating quote that said it's better um, better be a year too soon than a day too late and so with the pressure mounting in Australia and despite the 700 something added fee per ticket we knew we had to go and that we had to go now so Around midday, we had called Emirates and changed our flights for that evening, and then it was a mad rush to get the last few tasks around the house uh, ready, to get it as ready as possible for the handover. Um, luckily, my friends had so much support in doing the tasks that just had to be done leading up to the day of the house being um, given to the new owners. But yeah, it definitely felt like fleeing. Um, like we packed up, we hopped in a car, a friend's car who drove us to the airport. And I think we got there to the airport just after five and it was a 9.45 departure. And thank goodness we got in that early because the check-in was a bit of a shit show. Our first interaction was with a woman who works for Emirates. She was walking through the line asking each person if they had their vaccines and PCR tests, like their papers. And she moved very smoothly through the whole line with ease until she reached us. And at which point I told her that we had neither the PCR nor any of the vaccinations. And her face was baffled. Like she asked again and I repeated the same answer. And then I told her that we didn't need either to get into Mexico. And then she said she would be back. So she came back two or three more times, first asking the same question and then asking if we had even one of the jabs. And finally, she came back with a piece of paper saying that we needed to get an app and to fill out the form to transit through Spain and then a health questionnaire online to enter Mexico. So we started filling out these forms, which were literal nightmares. If anyone is gonna do this journey, please get in touch because I will send you all this information that you should do ahead of time. Um, one woman who worked for the airlines was so helpful. I actually feel we might not have gotten on the flight without her because she enabled us to bypass one of the forms. She actually didn't even check my friend's um, travel exemption, which was granted, like I said. Um, I do not recommend trying to travel without a travel exemption. I do not know if they're linked to people's passports or not, but she signed off on us having exemptions uh, without actually checking them. So, yeah. Oh, the, the forms, yeah. We, we, the forms were such a nightmare to fill out on our phones that she said we could do them during the 22-hour Dubai layover. But yeah, I recommend getting that stuff sorted beforehand. And yeah, it was actually hilarious. Like she was helping us a lot and eventually asked for the vaccine papers so she could sign off on like taking us to the next um, 
step of check-in for our vaccine papers and the PCR test. And when I told her that we didn't have any, her face was priceless. Like she said something about along the lines of like, well, uh, I'll need a minute. Like this is a first. So from there, everything was pretty smooth sailing in terms of getting through each customs line and uh, the various checkpoints in Dubai and in Spain. Uh, Dubai was very relaxed. Like most people weren't wearing their masks. Well, actually, a lot of people were wearing the masks. A lot of people weren't. There was a very heavy security presence there, but they weren't saying anything to us when we weren't wearing our masks. So that's actually how I felt in Mexico, too. Maybe I'll touch on that later. Um, I did wear a mask under my nose going through the immigration areas at security checkpoints and to enter the actual plane, but not on the plane itself or in the, really in the Dubai airport. Um, although I do not agree even remotely with the muzzle culture, and I think it's almost as bad as the vaccine itself, I can also see that the priority for me is getting into Mexico without any major dramas. So yeah, the hard part of the journey was the three planes, the four continents, and the 22-hour layover. It was like a weird time warp. We slept on the floor of the Dubai airport. Um... We paid for a hot shower there, which felt quite luxurious. Uh, I brought my food for all 60 hours, which consisted of a lot of beef jerky, dry roasted cashews, dark chocolate, a few macadamia lemon bars, and some green apples. During the Dubai layover, actually, a little health cafe had a lot of great products, so I topped up on a few packs of like legit crackers and chocolate. Um... When we landed in Mexico, it felt like the final frontier. The last hurdle was getting a 180-day tourist visa. As a Canadian, um, and my friends were Australian, like I said, you don't need to apply for a tourist visa beforehand. You can just show up. That is not the case for every country. But how many days you get granted is really up to the immigration agent. Um which is interesting because they don't really speak English. The woman that we went to did not speak English at all. Um, There's been a lot of talk recently about people getting granted seven days, uh, getting 30 days is a very common uh, grant at the moment, which is obviously a problem if your plan is to escape your tyrannical government long-term. But there is the possibility of doing visa runs. You can go to Guatemala and back, the flights are cheap or you can drive into and out of taking a bus. But the longer visa you can get, the better. So to increase the likelihood of getting a longer visa, you definitely want to arrive with an itinerary um, for your six months stay, which, um, which I basically just kind of mapped out a trip around Mexico, things to see and do along the way. And you also need flights uh, booked out of Mexico for the six month date. Now you don't actually have to book a real flight. You can just get an itinerary made up, um, but that you definitely want. So we had all of the above. Uh, My Australian friends went in first and they got 120 days. So the woman insisted in Spanish that it was the limit. I have like bare bones Spanish, but that's what I understood. She was saying for Australians, no more than 120 days. As she was filling out mine, she initially wrote 180. 
I entered on my Canadian passport, but then she scratched it out and scribbled um, 120 also, I'm guessing because we were traveling together. So um, after we walked away from the desk, like debriefing for a second, I decided to go back to the desk and try and convince her um, to give us more time. Oh, well, we actually backpedaling a bit. We met a couple on the plane on the 60 hour journey. Where did we meet them? My friend met one of them on the leg between Dubai and Spain. And then in the Spain, Spanish airport in Barcelona, we all caught up. So they were from uh, Byron and they were traveling with their 11 month old daughter and doing the exact same thing as us, which was pretty incredible actually. And I do think that a big part of the intuitive pull to leave that day as opposed to Friday was probably to meet these guys. So yeah, when we had come out of getting our visas stamped 120 days, she had explained that she insisted on 180 and that the woman had changed it for them. So I went back to the desk, which like, note, you would not do this in a first world country, in a Canada, in an Australia or anywhere in Europe. You would never go back to immigration and be like, hey, I actually need 180 days. But I think that speaks volumes about the the reason why being in a place like this, like Mexico, is um, a better option during these times is that there's there's less divide between power like between people and the people in power there's more room be it for bribery or conversation there's more room for that and that's very important during times when um, in places like Australia and definitely across Europe right now in Canada there is less room for any it's like you're being called a what did I read this morning a terrorist for wanting to have body sovereignty, a right-wing extremist. You know, there's a lot of characterization um, from the top down about people that don't agree with the way that the governance is happening. And to me, that's not okay. So I went back to the desk anyways. I felt comfortable doing it. Divine intervention. The woman had actually gone on break in these like two minutes that we left the desk. And so when I went back, there was a man there was getting settled for his shift and I showed him the flight um, which I hadn't actually booked we just got an itinerary made up I showed him the date and I said we need 180 days not 120 so he looked at the flight and just um, turned 120 into 180 and then I showed him that we had four other visas to extend and he just gave me the pen and told me to go ahead and change it myself so yeah it was a pretty casual and fantastic introduction to mexico showing like just how different the culture is here and yeah that was about when did we land here that was about five days ago now six days ago and like holy hell the weight of the world has truly been lifted from my shoulders i i feel reborn i don't think I don't think, well, I definitely didn't realize the toll that being in Australia was taking on my adrenals, um, which of course were pretty messed up from 60 hours of brutal napping on planes and in the airport and all the EMFs and artificial lights and not having proper meals. Um, But there's just a sense of relief, although I'm still like battling the end of jet lag. The energy here is wonderful. 
the sun alone would have been reason enough to move um, since it rained all winter and spring in Australia. Um, the organic produce at the market is incredible, and yeah, my sp Spanish is very rusty, but it's one of the things I'm quite excited about is becoming, yeah, fluent. And the mask situation, I, I'm in Mexico City at the moment, so uh, it, there are a lot of masks around. Um, I do not wear one unless you have to go into a big store. Um, in that case, there are like security guards at the front of malls and big, bigger department stores that take your temperature, which you can insist be done on your wrist, and you do have to wear a mask to enter. When it comes to restaurants, you're supposed to wear a mask like at the door, but you can take it off when you sit down, which of course is fucking absurd. Um, but I look forward to getting out of the big city and into smaller towns. Oaxaca is definitely the first um, place on my list and probably where I'm going to settle more permanently. But hoping that in the outskirts, because the town itself is still pretty big, um, but it's in the mountains. There are more uh, remote areas in the Oaxaca area and also exploring the coast and the whole state in general. I'm hoping to find places that are just even less uh, masked. But overall, even despite the mask culture, it's it's free here. Like, there's no QR scanning. Um, there's, I guess for now, not speaking the language, I can see there's no discussion of vaccinations. Um, the government has made very clear statements that they're not going to mandate the vaccine. And the health minister has made very clear statements that they don't believe child vaccinating kids is even a good option ever that it's not healthy for children that they don't ever want to vaccinate the mexican children and so yeah for all of that i feel so good here right now um like i said the weight of the world feels lifted and i'm not saying mexico is the place to be for anyone trying to evade their tyrannical communist creeping new world order governments um, I cannot predict the future, um, and I don't know what's right for you, but I do know that it feels good for me here right now. And yeah, historically, I've been pretty good at, at intu intuiting, intuiting <laughs> how I would go in a new country so without having ever been there before. So for me right now, I'm so stoked to be in Mexico. Okay, now we're going to move to a Q&A. Um, which I posted on Instagram asking any questions about the journey that people had. So uh, let's start at the top. Um, why did you choose Mexico and what are you looking forward to exploring there? I think I touched on the why quite a bit. And exploring, I actually want to explore the whole country eventually. I do want to settle for a bit first and get like rooted in Oaxaca but there's so many incredible places in Mexico. My travel list is extensive. And at the moment, you can travel through the country, no problemo. So kind of, I guess I'm most looking forward to living life much more normally than I have been feeling for a long time. Um, do you have access to all of the quality foods you want where you are in Mexico? So access to... 
um, organic food was definitely a priority for me and I spoke to people in quite a few of the countries that I considered. There is good access to relatively trustworthy organic food here. Um, when it comes to health stores and stuff like that, not really, but iHerb delivers. <laughs> um, I've relied on iHerb consistently throughout the world. I even used it very regularly in Australia where the health stores are pretty good. Um, you can use code DST929 for a discount on all things iHerb. And actually, the iHerb selection here in Mexico is very influenced by the US, which I think is leading the world in terms of health products. Um, so I plan on ordering some stuff online, but also I very much am looking forward to going back to basically just cooking 100% of my food and not relying on any packaged foods. Um, even things like uh, coconut milk. Like I am very particular about vegetable oils, not wanting my uh, alternative milks since I cannot consume raw dairy um, to not con contain vegetable oils. And so far I haven't found any here. Although I did find the best handmade coconut milk at the farmer's markets in Mexico City at Mercado L100 uh, or Ciento <laughs> and they just blend coconut flesh and coconut water it's incredible so yeah I've let go of like the familiarities of packaged foods and even things like my morning tea and stuff like that my matches I think it's always good to um, take a break from that kind of stuff and so I'm definitely taking a break from that for now, but I will rely on iHerb at some stage. Um, the next question is how can you live in Mexico indefinitely? So where there's a will, there's a way. Um, there are many channels to live here full, like permanently um, with a certain amount of income. Uh, working abroad, you can get there's a path to permanent residency you can get one by um, finding a job here and getting a work sponsorship you can fall in love and marry a local uh, there's always there's actually always a way um but living here forever was less of a priority for me as getting the fuck out of australia as soon as possible so for now i have 180 days and i will take it from there but also, 180 days is renewable. I know people that have been doing that for many years, also being maybe fluid and going into Nicaragua for six months and then coming back to Mexico for six months. Um, you can do visa runs here and they are quite uh, generous with renewing your visa. Um, what is next? What did you pack? What did you leave behind and did you sell or store it? So I did not store anything. I sold some stuff. I gave some stuff away. Um, I packed, maybe I shouldn't say I packed the essentials because I did come with two pretty big bags, my big backpack and my big North Face bag and a carry-on. Um, I mostly packed clothes, to be honest. Um, which if I had to, I could live out of a carry-on. Um, but I, you know, I've got some nice dresses and some clothes that I quite like that I've picked up from around the world. And I didn't feel, um, I don't feel any pressure to do the whole like um, 
living out of a backpack, you know, running from the government thing. That's why I chose Mexico is to settle here for a bit. So I brought things that I liked. I brought my massage gun. I brought a few familiar things from Australia, a big bag of collagen and um, gelatin and a couple supplements that I'm taking. Um, I'm currently still working on a glyphosate detox and supporting my liver. So I brought a few of those things. And yeah, I left everything behind, either sold or gave it away. I did not store anything. I I find that the storing, like having moved internationally many times, at first I clung to the storing idea, thinking that like these things I could not get rid of and that if I left them there, I could come back to them one day. And you come back to your things that day, whenever, however many months or years later, and you look at the stuff you kept and you're so uninterested in it. So I've gotten much better at um, when I say goodbye to the thing, I just get rid of it. Um, next question is, the con- there's constant news of drug cartel-related violence and abduct- abductions in Mexico. What are your thoughts? So like I said, um, there's a lot of uh like dramatizing everything people inflate fear headlines are always focused on the negative that's every country you never get the main the the news headlines that you know like communities are coming together to celebrate positive things and or that people are happy and more community focused here or that they're more connected to the land and ancestors like there's those things are not discussed, so we are constantly hearing essentially the mainstream news and Hollywood narratives about places. And ironically, um, ironically, a friend's parents had gone on this huge rant to us about the kidnappings in Mexico and how dangerous it was, and they recommended a movie, which I cannot remember the name of, but we watched it. I think it had Denzel Washington in it, and... The whole plot was that um, this little girl is kidnapped in Mexico. She's, you know, a little blonde girl living in Mexico and she gets kidnapped and, you know, rah, rah, rah. And we watched, we actually watched the movie. And in the end, the father had arranged the kidnapping and it went wrong. And that's actually the majority of kidnappings here is it's family related. It's the same as New Zealand. That's why the New Zealand kidnapping um, statistic is so high typically there are families so like when parents split up one parent takes the kid um, without permission that's called a kidnapping and um, in the park the other day here in Mexico City two days ago my friend the one the mother with the two daughters that I'm traveling with she was speaking to a local who's raised her kids here they were in the park and she asked like how do you feel safety wise Um, raising kids here like we keep hearing you know be careful and kidnappings and the woman laughed and said it's typically it's families it's someone in the family kidnapping the child to you know after a divorce and that although there's violence um, in parts of the country really the only place to worry about is the U.S. American border which I've been told in many countries is the problem that's the case between Colombia and Ecuador as well that Mexico City is actually very safe and I feel so safe here. The Probably the biggest 
lack in safety comes from being unfamiliar with the language so of course if you have young kids and they get lost you can't exactly go up to someone and say hey i'm lost there is that barrier to safety um but in terms of getting kidnapped and you know by the cartel i don't drink alcohol i don't do drugs i don't go out past 8 p.m um i'm in bed early i wake up early i don't live that lifestyle so yeah, if you're coming to Mexico to do drugs and party, you're going to brush shoulders with more dangerous people. But if you're coming here to live a normal life and just like be on your merry way, the, those concerns aren't, um, they're not that founded in reality. Like any country, you need to have um, your wits about you. But Oh, and I guess maybe the other thing I should say is if you have a lot of wealth, then you're more of a target for kidnappings. Like if that's kind of always the case, though, particularly um, in second and third world countries. But yeah, if you're going to live in a double gated community, you are going to like and there's a huge poverty discrepancy, then you're putting a bigger target on your back. But like I said, none of that really applies to us and me. So it's just not a concern um finding a house over there um at the moment we're just doing airbnbs it's quite easy to find a house i've spoken to quite a few people about that but the easiest way is to be here physically and then to either go to an agency or just word of mouth so uh i've booked a month airbnb in oaxaca and during that month i just plan on getting amongst the community and finding a house kind of like you would in any other country um do they make it intimidating or difficult if you're traveling unjobbed um i'm gonna say no i think really you just have to know the rules you have to know the rules of all the moving parts the airline the layover countries um the country you're entering and your own country to exit because some insane countries are not allowing people to leave like in Canada uh, and in North Korea um I would say probably the biggest emotion I witnessed from other people is complete confusion and disbelief that it's possible and then when they actually dig into their own policies they realize that it is and yeah no it was not difficult at all um I think the self-imposed pressure of like is this possible because it felt very surreal to be going through basically most likely being one of the very few unvaccinated people on that plane um it was like more self-imposed uncertainty but having now done it no it was quite easy um next question is did you have to collect your baggage and check back in multiple times so that's actually a very good question because uh, ideally, you do not want to do that. Had we done that, we would not have uh, been able to actually get into Mexico because you needed to be, I'm not even sure if it's vaccinated or have a PCR test to get into Spain. But yeah, ideally, you're booking a, a flight that carries your bags the whole way through. In the US, for example, um, initially, it looked like we could land in the U.S., but you definitely couldn't enter the U.S. So if your bags weren't 
um, checked the whole way through to your final destination, you would have to, anytime you're picking up your bags, you're going through full-blown customs. And then you're privy to actually entering the country as opposed to just layover rules. Um, Yeah, so that ideally, we did not have to. I found a flight that took our bags all the way to Mexico City. And that way we avoided even getting a PCR test. Um, Next question is, do you need a working visa? I do not know. I work online, um, which has been a big blessing. That's how I stayed in Australia so long on tourist visas. Um, You can get a working visa. If you're in Mexico, you just need a job to sponsor you. It's actually much easier to do here than it is to do in countries like Australia or Canada. Um, Yep, so I do not need a working visa. Next question is how to feel safe traveling alone and living alone in a foreign country. Um, I'm not traveling alone at the moment, but uh, if you've been reading my website for a while, you will probably know that I have many times in the past. And wow, I think this is actually probably a pretty deep question um, because it speaks to your capacity to be alone in general. And I think when we're alone, particularly when we're not stimulated by distractions like podcasts and TV and movies and even books, um, we have to face ourselves and face the parts of ourselves that maybe we don't love or that maybe we're afraid of. And so feeling safe and traveling alone and living alone in a foreign country requires feeling safe in your own body and trusting life. And I think probably going back to my interview with Jane Hardwick Collings a couple episodes back, or even further back in my podcast, uh, interviewing Geraldine Mattis, both address um, these topics. It's, It's deep spiritual work. It's deep metaphysical work. To feel safe in the physical world, you have to feel safe um, inside your body. So yeah, as above, so below. And um, at the moment too, I mean, I don't think, um, uh, I would say take the dive and explore and lean into the darkness and lean into your fears. And particularly in these times, I don't think you have so much... um, I think time's ticking, to be honest. If your decision is to leave, you should do it and sort out your shadow work when you get to your destination because rules are changing very rapidly across the world. And if your desire is to go, I would do it with or without fear and face the fears as they come up. They will give you so much opportunity to grow. Um... The next question is, how do you plan on staying there for an extended period of time and will you live there forever? I don't know um, what forever holds, but I do plan on staying here indefinitely for now, particularly if the government um, keeps behaving the way that they have been behaving throughout this pandemic. And how I plan on staying long term is probably through a self-sponsorship since I work remotely um i mean there's quite a few avenues maybe i'll explore that in six months uh when i reach that bridge um yeah next question is tips on making money online and abroad uh, to be able to move from australia i actually have a whole article on um my experience with being freelance a freelance writer 
So I will link to that in the show notes. But also, I think, yeah, I think it's important to follow your passion and do things that are in alignment with your overall, like, sense of purpose in this world. And, like, everyone has a gift to give, right? And there's different ways to express these gifts, be it through the written word, through audio, through visual, um, helping others. With technology, one of the most incredible things about technology, although it's also being used to survey us and track us and all of the stuff that has ultimately led to this pandemic, New World Order bullshit, also has the other side of the coin where you can connect with people. So I would find what your gift is to the world and offer that service and do the work required, which is quite deep work for some of us, to unblock the low self-worth where you think who could ever want this gift of mine because there are people out there who will benefit and value and will want to reward you um, for your gifts. So the next question is visa options to enter Mexico. Many people do not need a visa option. You just can come in on a tourist visa. And given the urgency of what's going on in the world, I wouldn't worry too much about long-term options. Um, Yeah. Next question is safe areas to stay in and good security in Mexico. I think you could live anywhere in Mexico and feel fine. Honestly, I would avoid the border. There are some areas that have more cartel presence, but honestly, these are the big party areas. Acapulco, even in Cancun at the moment, there's more um, cartel presence, but I feel safe here. So yeah, I think it it also is a big internal job to not um, just absorb Hollywood's depiction of Mexico and take that for granted. Um, Another question about my belongings. Did I leave things behind or give them away? Yep, I I didn't leave anything behind in storage. Like I said, I just either gave things away or sold them. Uh, Next question is, were you in contact with any like-minded people in Mexico before you moved and did they help? Um, Not many, to be honest. I was put in contact with one a woman who I will be meeting tomorrow for lunch um, who is very much like-minded but honestly no that didn't it didn't um, influence me much in any way I did join a couple um, groups online on my like incognito Facebook account that has no friends and no posts just to kind of get a vibe of different places and I think it's one of the best ways to find housing actually I should have mentioned that in the previous question about finding a house these like local um, expat and local groups are quite good for finding housing and so I used that to pick a location and I did speak to a few friends who had been or spent time in Mexico and all had raving reviews so I guess that helped um next question is what was the move like for the families you moved with i.e leaving uh kids schools jobs etc well initially i was actually gonna move with two sets of friends and both of them have two kids but one family decided um 
to actually move to land in Australia instead. And the move, it was actually pretty okay. I mean, the girls are very wise, smart, like healthy, vibrant young girls. And their capacity to adapt is very strong. Obviously, there's upsetting things like saying goodbye to the family dog. And I don't think leaving school was too hard for them. They had spent the past year traveling around Australia. So they're already used to doing more of a homeschool vibe. And they really also have been uh, kept informed about what's going on in Australia since the beginning. And which I think is so important not to sugarcoat. Well, maybe I shouldn't even say sugarcoat because you maybe don't want to say everything in black and white the way it's happening, but to not try and hide what's happening from kids because um, they have a great capacity to understand. And so when the move came about, although there was maybe a bit of resistance because um, of familiarity and Australia is an incredible country or shall I say was an incredible country, um, they really understood why the move was happening particularly related to vaccines and the necessity to survive um, and stay human, really. So that became the priority and everything else became less important. And I mean, these are big life lessons that we learn at one stage or another in our life, the capacity to surrender and to trust and to let go and, um, you know, to do things from a place of power and love. So although it's undoubtedly uh, shaken things up, it is also in their greatest interest and protected by their amazing parents. So um, the move was hectic, particularly because we went a handful of days earlier than expected. So we were going to spend the last few days in Sydney saying goodbye to friends and really having like a bit of a relax. Um, But yeah, it didn't feel too relaxing. So we just left uh, on a whim like that. So that was a bit disrupted. Um, for all of us, but you know, when the body says go, you go. Um, tips for Aussies who feel called to stay. I don't think it's possible or right for everyone to get out is in brackets. Um, get out of the city, learn life skills. And by life skills, I mean how to grow and hunt food, how to make shelter and fire, how to live completely severed from essentially the financial system because the way I think this is going is quite dark. Um, There's already a lot of talk of cutting people's access to their super, even to their banks in general, without having the vaccine certificate. And I would get very clear on the kind of life that you want to live um, because this new world order is ushering in a police state where there is a social credit system, where you have to behave and, shall I say, act, because it is an act in the right way. Um, If you look up, there's a few documentaries on China's social credit system. You're being watched 24-7 if you do the wrong thing, if you jaywalk, if you litter, which of course, I mean, jaywalking, that's a bit of a joke, but if you litter... Littering should not happen because you have an innate sense of a moral compass, not because the government's watching you and can identify you from a camera in less than one second. Um, there's a huge dobbing in culture in um, China and people get points for telling on their neighbors for doing bad things. You know, you're getting rewarded for... Vol- it, it's like a... 
it's a pretty twisted like Orwellian society and so I would get very clear on what kind of world you want to live in and why I desire to stay and if that feels truly um, right for you yeah I would get out of the city I would learn to hunt to fish to be self-sustainable and expect that you will not be able to participate in the fiat system the monetary system of government printed money without being vaccinated and not just double vaccinated but continuously vaccinated every six months potentially every three months um and also make a decision whether it's to stay or go make a decision don't sit on the fence you make a choice and then really embody that choice and get as prepared as possible to live the life that you chose um i think that might be it let me just quickly browse over mm, there's quite a few country uh questions about the agenda itself and what's happening like predictions for the next few years i have very grim expectations for the next few years to be honest i think that probably it's at least five years before things start to um find homeostasis because of course this too shall pass everything passes but i don't think we're anywhere near the peak of how bad this is going to get there's a lot of talk of forced mandatory vaccinations um, continuous vaccinations and of course the vaccine being kind of like the Trojan horse of all of this um, to usher in a new world order that is another question what uh, what's the entire point of the great reset in your opinion I, I, I don't really think about it too much to be honest um, I think more about the kind of life I want to live and where is the most realistic place that I can live that life um, there's so many competing agendas there's so many even if you think of there being one agenda being um, unraveled by a handful of elites no one agrees on everything so different intentions different priorities there's definitely depopulation that is happening and um, has been in the works for a very long time there's definitely like this like global government agenda which I don't think will work I think it will probably work in the first world countries, in the most developed world, particularly in relation to um, <clears throat> countries that have a lot of debt, where people have a lot of debt to the government, because then you're innately, um, you succumb to coercion more quickly, you know, if you have um, don't have many possessions in your own name, and you're used to the like culture of inflation and debt and all that stuff um control power greed like all these very shadowy things that are um in great imbalance in the world at the moment and also we've been living in a very unsustainable way for over a hundred years so we're kind of nearing this peak of we need a reset right we need we need change and it's up to the individual i think to decide what route they want to go if they want this reset to be a sovereign one or if they want to um you know the world economic forum catch phrase of own nothing and be happy so it's forcing people to separate um from the technological world the plugged in world the world where 
daddy government and mother medical bestow upon you your uh, knowledge and that you don't trust yourself at all and you know you just live life kind of as a cog in the wheel or if you want to step out of the matrix and live a life of freedom where you have body sovereignty and you don't rely on um on anyone really to tell you what you need and how to how to thrive in this life it's really creating two parallel worlds and i'm not sure that i'm not sure that um i'm not yeah i don't have a crystal ball but what i do know is that you have a choice in this moment to live in tune with or against nature and i think that that's really what this whole thing is about is um is your trust in self and your trust in your body and your trust in your health and your immune system and coming back to the land because holy moly have we become so reliant on the systems and the big global companies to feed us and clothe us and shelter us and it's it's long overdue you know a call back to the land to our skills to our ancestors to nature's wisdom to our innate wisdom and so i think that no matter what you choose to do if it's to move to a different country or stay in your current country holy hell it's a call back to the land back to your body back to your intuition and to start getting those ancestral skills back that used to be passed down from generation to generation and have just been lost in the sea of consumerism Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. I think that's enough for today. I hope you enjoyed and I will see you soon.